0: Welcome to All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time. Our show offers a friendly conversation with inspiring individuals in the autism community. All Autism Talk is brought to you by the Learn It family of companies, including autism spectrum therapies, trellis services, and desert choice schools, helping all children succeed in school and life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Autism Talk. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. I am vice president at Autism Spectrum Therapies, an organization providing uh, applied behavior analysis and other therapies to individuals with autism. Uh, We have offices all over the country uh, underneath our own umbrella as well as uh, with the help of our partners at the Learn It Family of Companies. Uh, Really excited about today's show. I have a great guest who uh, were able to talk to about kind of the more personal side of things and, and really get more information about her own experience as a mom um, raising a, a child on the spectrum. And, um, you know, in getting ready for the show and and prepping for, uh, for her appearance, uh, you know, concepts like uh, early detection came up, uh, ideas about school, And it kind of got me thinking about some things that have been going on in uh, my own day to day practice over the last few weeks. And, you know, a topic that's come up a lot for me as I talk to families who are maybe starting ABA therapy, maybe families who are kind of graduating from uh, the early intervention under three services is, you know, what is the right service mix? And a, a topic that's come up a lot is, why do i need all these other services the school will just take care of everything and i found that really interesting is you know that that idea of well my kid is school age now my kid turned 3 i was told to go to the school and and i'll get everything there and you know i think a lot of a lot of our listeners out there probably have experienced this firsthand is you know that's oftentimes not the case that there's a need for other services you know the school traditionally looks at things from uh, a bit of a narrow lens. You know, they really look to see what is this child's educational needs? What is going to ensure that this child can access a curriculum? But they don't necessarily look at things from a broader communicative point of view, a social point of view, certainly not from a daily living, what is my home life going to be like point of view. And so I've had a lot of conversations with families uh, to help kind of show them the spectrum of the different services and what different funding sources will kind of work on, you know what will a school really focus in on and work on versus maybe your health plan or maybe versus uh, a state funding entity um, like the regional centers here in California, you know what they may fund that uh, the other sources may not, and so it 's just been a really uh, interesting experience kind of see what information is out there and and in this case almost kind of still see what information isn't out there yet as it relates to the roles of different funding sources you know what providers are able to do under each one of these things Um, because I think it's important to understand kind of how these different systems come together because it's very easy to think well this I've got services through this one entity and that'll take care of everything and you know from my experience, it, it very rarely works out that cleanly. Uh, so today I'm joined by Leandra Churgy, uh and she is the author of Make a Wish for Me, A Family's Recovery from Autism. Uh, Leandra was born in the Midwest, but grew up in a pastoral area south of Los Angeles. She holds a Bachelor of Arts in English from Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, and currently runs her own home staging business. When Leandra isn't writing, she enjoys running, knitting, and reading. She lives in Simi Valley, California with her husband of 20 years, Dan, her two children, Jenna and Ryan, and a black lab named Ranger. Leandra, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, it's great to have you. Um, you know, I, I I'm always interested, you know, some we've got to speak to a few different fam parents, families who have Sat down and written and their story, written uh, their experiences, and um, I'm always curious, you know, what motivates people because it's, uh, I have to assume it's got to be a very, uh, you know, exposed, exposed position to be in to kind of open up the years of history and open up all this story. Um, so I was, I'm curious, what motivated you to to sit down and and, and write this memoir?
2: You know, I, I sat down, um, honestly not intending to write this story at all, but to write another story. It was kind of a life ambition to be a writer. And this Mm. just kind of started pouring out. It Honestly, it was accidental. And um, the more that I wrote, uh, very privately, it was just really something for me, very cathartic type of thing. And I wrote what essentially is the first chapter, and I handed it to my husband and I said, I just didn't say anything. I just handed it to him. I just kind of wanted to see what his... You know, no no preparation, just hands in something, and see what he'd say. And he, with tears in his eyes after he read it, he said, "You have to write this." And wow. honestly, it wasn't something I intended to put out to the world. It was more just a, a a story for you know, posterity for my family or whatever for my children to grow up one day and realize what it, kind of we went through because they wouldn't remember it. And as I, I the more I wrote, and the more that I cried, and the more that I wrote, and the more that I shared, I realized, you know, this is something that my hope would be to help people to help other parents who start this journey and are just completely bowled over by just a silly little word. it's It just really, uh, I mm. guess that's kind of where it started. I don't know if that makes any sense.
1: <laughs> no, it, it it does. I mean, I, I, I find that really interesting that just how it didn't it start off in the way it's kind of come about. And I, I think that makes it actually even cooler that, you know, it's It started from almost this personal place, and and we get to see a little bit of that, uh, you know, what that was going on for you and for for your husband. Um, You know, I think it's, you know, going to just the title, there's a few points within the book I want to talk about, but, you know, you use the word recovery in the title, and I feel like that, that term is used a lot of different ways by a lot of different people. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's used from like a this clinical perspective. Sometimes I've heard it used from a medical perspective, and it has connotations. Um, what you know? What does that word mean to you? How does that apply to to Ryan and your family? Uh,
2: you're right. It really. Um, I don't think I realized how much of a hot it could be that word um, until mm-hmm. I I put it in the title and I've gotten some feedback on that. But um, really? how I intended it, yeah, I didn't really anticipate that um, because I I wasn't saying you know that said he's cured because there is no cure. I, uh, but that isn't yeah. even what I was saying honestly is that he's recovered. I don't I don't know that he'll ever be recovered from autism. It's just part of his person and it's and that's okay. You know that's just him. Yeah. But um, the what I intended in the title was more. Um, a, a recovery as a family from kind of a, something that just kind of hit us at the knee, took us out of the knees, you know, it was like this, this devastation mm-hmm. of this lifelong diagnosis that just hung in the air so heavily around us. And it was just kind of like, Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And I think that was more how I intended the the title, the subtitle of the title, you know, to say you know, that we, yeah. as a family, we recovered from a word you know not and it didn't it didn't yeah. it didn't ruin our lives it didn't derail everything we we wanted it just kind of you know changed the, the way we were going to live our lives a little bit and that's kind of what I wanted it people to I want people to understand that about the title that he is you know I don't believe in that word recovered necessarily, but you know he definitely mm-hmm. has come a long way he is a a person that I don't know that he would have have been had he not gone through the the behavioral therapy.
1: I mean, I think that's kinda of cool and and it's it's funny the way you describe that, like I've heard a lot of parents say the same thing, um, just in in, in my work of we needed to recover. You know, there's nothing wrong with my child that needed recovery, but we needed to recover from mm-hmm. the emotional you know the stress, the depression, what whatever was going on. Sometimes the just as a as a married couple, the 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 right. husband and wife just need to recover together. And so I I think it's really interesting that that you've kind of used recovery in this other way, and I I think it brings light to some some really interesting things that we don't talk about a lot.
2: I hope so. I mean, I really hope that I hope to get that message to people because i did have people say they didn't want to read it because i used that word and i wow. that really that bums me out because i i think that it's that once you read a few chapters you'll realize what the, the message you know that it's just really about how we all came to grips with it you know and and got over ourselves our pain our you know my husband and i to to help him you know that's really what it's about
1: yeah, I, I'm. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's literally what I was going to ask you: is have people given you resistance to that word without even reading the book? And no one, it, it, no one
2: to me directly. But sorry, go okay. ahead.
1: No, 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 please, I, I just, please, you're you're going. I
2: just through a friend of a friend. You know, I've had a couple people okay. who offered. You know, you should read this book; it's really great. You know, whatever. And then they'd say, "Well, I don't," you know recovery, mar, 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 you know, I kind of got some feedback, and they kind of refused to read it. I've had a, a couple instances wow. of that, and, and nothing, you know, mass spread, but I was very surprised by that That because I, I, that's completely not what I intended.
1: Well, and, you know, it, and it's one of those things of how much do we avoid from or, or not pick up from one another because of a word, and, and that seems kind mm-hmm. of a – this this massive barrier that just defeats everything that I know you're trying to accomplish as well as so many other people out there. Right. Um well, you know, a couple of key points that I, I feel like I so many of our listeners are going to be interested in just in, in in your story and in with Ryan. And so, you know, one of the things that I'm sure everyone wants to know about is, you know, that time when Ryan was actually diagnosed. And um, you know, what what was that like for you and, and your husband? You know, how how did you guys actually react to that?
2: Um, I talk a lot about this in the book, but I um I honestly I was on such a mission to figure out what had why he had changed what had changed in him and what had caused it and I, I was just so on this you know I have to figure it out I have to figure it out and I was getting rejected at every turn and no one wanted to really help me and it was very frustrating to just get the diagnosis and probably you know a few weeks before we actually got it I I, I kind of knew what it was I had done enough research I had read enough things I kind of I knew what I was about to hear but I I still had to hear it you know and and Knowing you need to hear it and hearing it are two different things, <laughs> in my book. And the, the, the devastation of, of 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 my, I guess, motherhood part, the mother part of me, when you ever you hear anything has happened or wrong or has you know been assigned to your child, it's it's overwhelming to say the least. And I remember just being completely just, I just shut down. I, I'm a very open person. I talk I talk through my problems. I I don't ever shy away from facing something, but that one was hard for me. It, it kind of knocked me down for a short time. I mean, not forever, obviously, but, you know, it was it was a, right. a few tough weeks for me of just not really knowing how to process it, not knowing what to do with it, and because um, it was just so big. It seemed so big at the time. And uh, I kind of shut down, whereas, you know, my husband was just like, let's go, let's go, let's let's do this, let's do this. It's just, we were just on a mission. And I followed with him. You know, I had looked, had put on that brave face, but inside I was very, I was fragile. And it took some time to get kind of my feet on the ground and say, okay, I can do this. You know, I literally had to go to therapy for a, a few weeks just to talk to someone outside my family, outside the circle mm-hmm. who I could just be completely brutally honest with about my really hard ugly feelings and and my fears and all mm-hmm. these things and it was it was a rough patch. I mean, I don't know how any parent I mean, and it doesn't and it doesn't really ever go away. It's just, you know, it's still that that pain is always kind of there. You just learn to accept it, and that's that's what was the hardest for me initially. It was just accepting that now my child has a diagnosis, my child has a disorder, my child now I have to face this with him for probably the rest of his life. And in the beginning, that's that's a lot to to swallow. But uh, and I and I I can't necessarily speak for my husband. I know we've talked about this a lot. You know, he mm-hmm. he's just kind of a go forward kind of guy. He's just a, let's take care of it. And he didn't. I have to commend him on his ability as a man to not. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but I mean most men. I think most fathers have a really hard time with this. You know, I don't think I'm speaking any untruth. Um, And he really, if he did, if he did have a hard time with it, he never showed it. I I asked him and asked him. He was just, let's take care of it. That he was so brave and so go forward. So I commend him for that. And I honestly, I, I think at one point in my pit of sorrow, I um, was looking at him thinking, I, I need to be more like him. I need to get out of my my sadness and just, you know, get over myself is kind of what I had to do because he never let his ego, his, you know, you know he was to be a professional baseball player, and so to hear this about your son and know that oh, wow. he probably will never be interested in anything like that, like they won't have that commonality or whatever, he never, he never thought two seconds on it. He just moved on, and so I, I think... If, if that can explain it, that's really—I don't know—that it's a normal reaction or normal if there is such a thing as normal. But he did not have a typical, right. in my opinion, male reaction to it, and I'm—I'm I'm grateful to him for that because he, I think, it pushed me to be stronger.
1: Well, now that's where I was going to ask you is if there was—you know—was there any one thing that kind of, you know, like you said, there's—it's not that it's gone away. It's—it it sounds like you just you just look at things differently, you're, you're, you cope with things differently. W- was there any one event thing you did that really helped you kind of turn that corner and start going down that path that your husband is of like, let's go get it. Let's go, let's go do this.
2: you know, I, I never, I never wrote about this in the book and it's kind of an odd thought, but honestly one day I, aside from just watching my husband just be like, so let's march on. Um, and 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 I was I would have gotten there I think eventually I just I think he kind of gave me the mm-hmm. extra push but I really think the sadness and the and the this this it felt like I was just carrying this you know, huge weight around I was so sad about it and and one day I just kind of smacked myself around and said enough he doesn't have a terminal disease he's not going to die from this you know this is this is just a hiccup. And, and get over it. I really mm-hmm. had to kind of slap myself around, and I really think it was just... And I, I, I don't know that it was any particular day. It was just, I know, I just I realized I cannot wallow in this anymore. I, it's not going mm-hmm. to help him. And that's... And again, this was, you know, a matter of weeks. It wasn't like years, you know. It was a few weeks. But like I said, we... My husband and I are just very go-forward people. We just kind of take care yeah. of things. That's way we both have always been. And so we just kind of did it was i was a little bit behind the fastball on it because it was very i mean i don't know how you don't hear the words and aren't devastated you know especially yeah. as a mother i don't know why mothers i think we just take we internalize things more we we blame ourselves more because you know they came from you it's your fault kind of thing <laughs> I
0: don't, yeah. It's not a rational
2: thought but i think it's a very common thought amongst women
1: yeah no i i i, I think you are completely right i mean i I I think of my wife, and I mean, I have a newborn at home right now, and I mean, she internalizes the littlest of things right now. It could be that you know my my daughter spit up a little too much after a meal, and and she's internalizing it. So it, I I think what you're describing makes so much sense. Yeah, um, and and I agree with you. I mean, i i really appreciate you sharing kind of. Uh, Dan's perspective, because I think it is a perspective that I, I don't think you are inaccurate. And, and we've had dads on the show before talk about the um, some of the the feelings of loss that they themselves had and how difficult it was to go down that path of, you know, let's go make this happen. So I think it's really great to hear um, another dad's perspective, because it is certainly a different perspective than, than most moms that we talk to. Mm-hmm.
2: For sure. Yeah.
1: Um, you know you mentioned behavior therapy um, and I know you talk about going down the you know using ABA in the book Um, you know right now I know there's one of the big comments I get from a lot of families when I when I go out and I I speak to parents or or when they're calling us up is you know not always sure about where to start what services should I get um, how much services should I get where should it be all these questions because it's also new Um, How did you guys get directed into, you know, behavior therapy, and and, and what was the impact for Ryan? Uh,
2: We uh, initially had started because it it took some time to get a diagnosis because he was young. You know, he was barely two Mm -hmm. when I started realizing. It was even younger than that, but um, it took months to find someone who could actually diagnose him for me. But uh, I... I just, I guess, I felt so compelled to do something because I could see him slipping away. I could see that something was changing in him, and I didn't know what it was. And he had lost his, um, he had, had ear tubes. He had ear tubes twice. They fell out, and he had lost oh, wow. his speech. We, well, I thought the speech was lost because of the ear tubes, because he, he would fill back up with mm. fluid. And so, after the second round of ear tubes, that literally, he was very young. I think he was. The first ones were nine months. The second month, you know, twelve or thirteen months, and he um, wasn't speaking again. And I was getting concerned. I thought something something else was happening here. And that's when it all everything kind of started changing and the mood and the tantrums and the those things. And I, I was attributing it all to his loss of language, that it was the speech. And so I put him in speech therapy, just as, as I feel like I was doing something because I just I, it was getting so intense and. And and at the same time, when I got him in the speech therapy, they at, at, at Tri Counties, they said, well, you know, let's do some physical and occupational therapy too. If he's got a speech delay, maybe he's got some other delays. And and yet they wouldn't they wouldn't offer me a diagnosis. They didn't. They weren't ready to do that until he was three, and I that mm-hmm. wasn't acceptable to me. But um, I just said, let's let's just start moving on something, you know. And maybe the speech will help. If the speech comes back, maybe the frustration I felt he was having would be alleviated. And the, the speech therapist was, you know, utilizing what they call floor time, you know, more a child-directed mm-hmm. session, and it, it just wasn't working. He had no interest, and he would just literally get up and walk away and walk out. and. I realized, you know, once then, you know, fast forward to getting the diagnosis and doing some homework on what we needed to do, we went to a pediatric specialist and he said, you know, do the the ABA therapy, that's what I recommend. And so he said, but there's plenty of other things out there, whatever. But I I did my homework and I looked it up and and knowing firsthand the floor time experience, how that did not work with him, I knew he needed something a little more, you know, astringent and um, a little more directed, a little more, scientifically based I, I just I liked what I read about ABA and I felt like it was much more hands on and and it really more helping to fix fix quote-unquote the, the bad behaviors that's what I felt yeah. he needed and it seemed like that's that just in my mind was what we I wanted to try let's give this a try and um we you know went through tri-counties and the doctor we wanted wasn't available for two years There's a two-year waiting list and I said I'm Wow. I'm not waiting two years. <laughs> I just so we just called her up and said, "Can you come start therapy like now?" You know, and she did. So um, I think, and and we were in a financial position to do that. You know, that I there's not. I I really do truly get it that not everyone can do that, and we were lucky that yeah. way. But um, I also didn't like what Tri Counties was offering me at the time. You know, this is still early on. This is ten years ago. Um, you know, they were saying, hey, we'll give you 10 hours a week. And, and I, like I said, I'd done my homework. I'd done my research and the early intervention at that time, and I think it's still the same, was saying, you know, 40 hours a week, 30 to 40 hours a week of intensive therapy to, you know, yeah. really hit it hard and young. And so I was telling them, well, that's not enough. I need more hours. And they said, that's all we can, that's all we'll give you with this company. And it was just kind of like a, you know, no, that's not, that's not enough. And so we went with our yeah. our gut and we went somewhere else. And so I, I know that that's, again, not something everyone can do or is willing to do. It's very scary to go out on your own. It's much safer and easier to say, okay, you tell me what I'm supposed to do, because <laughs> it is such a new thing. But I just yeah. I think we, we educated ourselves between speaking with our doctor. I went to a conference right away. It just happened. To, I mean, it was kind of happenstance that, The same week he got diagnosed was an autism conference in Los Angeles, (laughs) and I went, you know, Mm -hmm. and just absolutely immersed myself in 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 the world of autism and learned everything I could learn. All you know, the whole new, all the acronyms, everything. I just, you know, I got my little. I think Jenny McCarthy said this. My Google, my my doctorate in Google. You know, that's really what I did, and 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 that's something that every parent I think should, to some extent, you should do your homework. Mm -hmm. You should read up on what is out there, and, and what, you know, you have to find what fits for you, and that fit for my son, ABA fit, and we saw results so quickly that I knew, you know, it wasn't a doubt, it was like, okay, this is what works with him, it doesn't work with everyone, but I have to say, that is what was the key for him, and for us, because it, it was a very, you know, straightforward, do this, follow through with this, Mm. and the behavior will go away, and it did, you know, so. You know, that's kind of how how we got with got through with ABA.
1: Yeah, a couple things come to mind for me, and I, I'm just yeah. kind of curious. And and you know, you may not have the answer because this actually applies more to your husband, but um, you know, one of the I, I I end up speaking to a lot of dads, and I, I think it's you know being being a man as well. I, I think a lot of times dads are probably a little bit more willing to maybe open up a bit particularly on the therapy side of things and some of their concerns some of their fears and you know one of the things that has struck me is uh like you said ABA is a you do this you follow through this way the behavior will go away it 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 can be you know this has a negative connotation to it but it can be a little rigid which i mm-hmm. think for a lot of men is good because it it taps into the discipline side yeah. Um, and I know you mentioned, you know, your husband is a, was a professional baseball player. And, you know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of dads who have sports backgrounds and, and, and they've said that, that nature, that black and white nature of things ties well into their sports background. If you do this, this will be the reward. You can set goals. And so I'm curious, you know, given your husband's background and, you know, given some of your story, um, do you think that really tapped into his strengths to help bring everything together.
2: Oh, absolutely, 100%. I mean, it, it couldn't have been better suited for him, absolutely. And and because, it, you know, it's not that it, you know, it, I know a lot of people say, talk about it being so scientifically based, and, and I'm sure that it is, but yeah. on the parent side, it's not. It's just kind of a do right, this, do get right. this you know it's, i don't know all the background science to it i don't need to i just need the practical applications of it yeah. and, and i have to, and that's how and it was very cut and dry and that as a as mm-hmm. a man as a, a type a hard working man it worked perfectly for him you know we were it was very yeah. for us it was very laid out you know just if he hits you do this if he spits at you do this and it was like you know and, and we were trying to figure out why he would do something here's the worksheet write down what happened right before write down the behavior the time of yeah. day like we'd figure it out you know it was just very that was what worked yes for him 100% and he was he knew what he had to do and we all we all followed through i mean i and i you also have to be a, a good patient, you know, with with the ABA, you have to do what you're supposed to do. Oh yeah. And 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 if you don't follow through with the way the therapists are doing it, or you know, a, and and maybe the therapist handled it a little bit differently, but if we don't all follow it the same way, you know, so that too, the the rigidity of it was good for him. Yes, a hundred percent. And and And, yeah. and it I it, I think it just it made sense to him because he he is a very black and white person, and it, it is just yeah. kind of this is the way you do it, no ifs, ands, or buts, and very helpful for him as a man.
1: Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that it's, it's funny. It's um, just from my own experience, I've worked with a lot of men in the military and um, you know, at first they're very resistant to kind of the things we're doing. And then once we put everything down on paper, it like, it's like a snap of the finger. It's like, Oh, got it. This is just rules. And mm-hmm. it just comes together. And so I was curious about your, you know, with the sports background, if, if that held true right. as well. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you talked about advocacy, and and I know you talk a lot about, you know, um, as as you started to get into the school, and as Ryan started to become of school age, um, there there was a lot of different challenges and difficulties that came your way. Um, how important was this early education you put yourself through to get things going in those early years? How much did that um, impact and? you as you started to go through the, you know, the educational setting? Uh,
2: I, I I think us knowing, you know, getting into school was, uh, first of all, was tremendously exciting for us because it was one of those, it was the unknowns. We didn't know if he would go to, mm-hmm. quote, regular school. You know, we didn't know if he'd have to be in special education or special school his whole life. You don't in the beginning there's so many unknowns and so to get him to a point where he was ready to go to school was so exciting for us and to go to his home school his regular school with his sister was just beyond thrilling to us but you know knowing having that that high quality ABA therapy in our home every day for two years that was probably longer three years you know we we really knew what that meant what a good therapist meant and so Getting into public school, and this is no disrespect to the public school, the school, it wasn't really the school issue, it was more the aid issue. And he did require someone one on one, you know, the entire day. And it wasn't that they couldn't provide that, they just did not have the quality training. And Mm -hmm. he's a very smart boy, and he knew right away, you didn't follow through, he's going to run you over. (laughs) Right. So, and, yeah. and he did, I mean, he ran over, I can't tell you how many A's we went through, he just, he figures it out oh, wow. instantly, if you don't follow through on something you say, I'm done with you, and he moves on, and he just mm-hmm. did whatever he wanted to do, completely derailed his, everything we'd worked on for years, and he was just, he. it was a game to him, he just ran around, literally, ran around all day, made them chase him all day. Off campus, you know those kind of things, and it just got to a point where it just wasn't working for me. That isn't, this isn't what we wanted for him. So I didn't set out to be an advocate. I just set out to put my kid in school. You know, <laughs> yay, we made it yeah. to school. And and once I started realizing that we had these, you know, this wasn't working, and we needed some more help. And can we, you know, you, when you have to start fighting, it's not necessarily something you want to do. And and I didn't. I mean, I don't mean the word fighting. I mean fight for your kid, not fight with them. I didn't fight yeah. with them. I just fought for him, and you know we did everything we could to make it successful. And you just kind of get to a point where you—it's a bureaucracy. And you and you—I could have pounded my fists all day. I could have hired a lawyer. I could have hired an advocate. But I realized, in the end, I'm the one that's going to fight the most for him, the most passionately. Right. And, and I don't want to go to court. I don't want to. You know, I know the most about him. And what i want for him no one else knows better Mm -hmm. you know my husband and i as a team we know what what we want and so we just it it became clear early on that we were going to be the advocates there was really no reason Mm -hmm. to hire someone else and honestly i didn't know that how much i would have to advocate that's something that was like i said you don't set out being that way but when you're faced with with any kind of public system you have to know that you're going to have to put up some type of Fights or arguments, not not in a bad way, but just to, you know, no, no, that's not what I want for my child. You know, and we had a lot of those conversations, and and I just I think the bottom line is, uh, knowing what we knew was a good thing, you know, knowing what we wanted was a good thing. It just it didn't always match up with what the school could or would do. So that's, I, I but my bo- I think the bottom line. I think what you're really asking, you know, I think, in my uh, humble opinion the best person to advocate for your child is you the parent no one's going to do it better Mm -hmm. no one's going to have more passion about it or know them better but sometimes that doesn't always get a result you know again we didn't we didn't sue them we just we just left okay you're not going to give us what we want we're moving on that's that's kind of that was kind of our mo all along we did it with tri-counties no you're not giving us the company want. we're moving on at the school district, no, you're not giving us what we want. We're moving on, you know, so people advocate in different ways. That's how we did. It was like, you know we're not gonna fight there's no re- I don't have time to fight with you. <laughs> I don't have time to go to yeah. court every single year to fight for this. i just I'm moving on to what's better for him, I'm putting my energy there, and that's that's what's kind of our style of advocating
1: mhm you know when you were you were talking about you know, having to go through that similar types of experiences, you know, with, with the regional center. Um, and, and before you were talking about how, you know, it was kind of scary, you you, you know, walking away is scary. Am I doing the right thing? Um, did, did those fears come back again when you were trying to advocate with the school? Or did you find that, you know, every time it became a little bit easier, you became a little bit more confident in kind of yourself and what you were doing?
2: You know, I think, yes, we definitely have more confidence, mainly because of what we knew what we wanted. I know that gave us enough mm-hmm. confidence, but there is always a little bit of that fear, like are we doing the right thing? you know, is this the right thing to do for him but i I really there's that that was such a small question, though really very quiet question in my head. It wasn't something screaming at me. I just we you got to a point where it was like, this is just not the way. this isn't the way it's supposed to be. He should not be running off campus. he should not be. When I would go see him at school, he was like a caged animal. I mean, I it wasn't the same wow. kid at all, and I just was like, "This, no matter what, this isn't the right place." So whatever we do has got to be go, move up from here. <laughs> That's kind of where I got. So yeah, I, I didn't really. I, the fear was there, of course, because it, this is something we'd worked for, and this is his home school, and we, you know, we really wanted to be in our neighborhood with our the neighborhood kids, and this was important to us for a while. But what became more important was doing what's best for him, and 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 that. That that kind of gives you its own confidence, just knowing I have to be – I have to do this for him, and it just kind of pushes you forward.
1: You know, we, we've talked a little bit, and I know you go into so much more detail in the book about just where things were, you know, but we've talked a little bit about some of the early intervention days, getting ready for school, some of these struggles. Um, you know, Ryan's 12 years old now. What's mm-hmm. – you know, what What are you guys – where's he at today, and what is it that you guys are working on today?
2: Today he is uh he's still at a private school. Um, he does have an aid part of the day, but he um he, he, he's he's the funniest kid. Uh he had his school performance last night and which I didn't think he, he hasn't wanted to do for years, let me tell you, the holiday mm-hmm. performance. But he has been walking around the house singing the Mr. Grinch song, you know, I and mean, he got up there and he had his own little uh, he acted out all the song and I thought they they all were doing that and when i got to the performance i realized it was just him and he had a ball it was a ham you know so he um he has come thousands of leagues away from where he was and he wow. um he has friends you know he he knows how to he knows what a friend is and i have to say that's a kind of a side note that was a a big step in yeah. his life when he was to realize what a friend was and he he had so many great friends at his prior school and it's it's transferring over he's learning he has he doesn't need to go over to a friend's house but friends are important to mm-hmm. him at school and he likes to tell them things and he talks about them so he's he's you know we're still working on the social part that's part of what we're working on is is understanding you know uh you, you, how to deal with kids you know especially teenagers preteens i mean it's this is a whole new world for us with him i'm i'm not exactly looking forward to the the puberty part of this i'm a little terrified actually right. but um he also is he's a very heartfelt child and you if you tell him he's done something wrong, he wants to know why, you know, and he mm-hmm. he is very attentive. Um we are we, we what we're more concerned about at this stage in his life because, you know, the future's looming is more where does he go after school, you know? And that's a I know that's a yeah. huge issue with a lot of people. There's just not a lot of things for them to do, and that sounds I don't mean to make it sound trite, but I don't know where again, we didn't know where he was going to be starting school. I don't know where he's going to be ending school. He could he makes so right. many leaps and bounds every day, you know, every week, every month he's growing and changing and he can be this um, you know, a completely independent child, a person, adult at 18. I don't know. It's still a big unknown, but we still have to prepare for that he may not and that's really where we're at now—is kind of the, the future, the adulthood. Where is he going to go? Where is he going to live? We want—we just want him to have a full, happy life, whatever that means to him. You know, it does not gonna, it's not going to—it doesn't matter what it means to me. It matters what it means to him. And we're just working on getting him emotionally, you know, ready. Working on life skills—you know, making change at the store and um, doing your laundry and setting the table and just real basic chores. And he. Mm-hmm. I tell you, he's the kind of kid who we have set the bar at a certain place and he's always risen to it. So that's just what we keep doing. We just keep setting the bar and, you know, hoping that when he gets old enough, he'll live on his own and have a job and, you know, have a a life that he wants, whatever that is.
1: That's great. And I I love that you guys are talking about this now at 12 and not waiting to 15 or 16 and and really kind of – getting the ball rolling and then i think that's you know just listening to you know these these pieces of the story and 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 knowing more about the book and 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 the story of your family i mean i think this is just i think it's just so great that you're you've opened up so much of of what you guys have gone through because um so much of what you describe so much of you know your, your experiences, yes, they may, you know, as you said, you may have had certain means that maybe the, another family wouldn't. But the emotions you're talking about, I mean, they, they resonate to me of of the stories I hear every single day, and and what you know, I think are pretty universal to most of our families. So I think these are just, it's just great to to talk about these emotions and feelings because um, it's it's not always easy to open up about all this.
2: Right, you're right, and it's very. It's very hard for especially a newly diagnosed family. You know, we, the, yeah. the company we work with, with Brian, we've been with the same company for 10 years, and um, they wow. will call me once in a while and say, you know, can you talk to this new parent? And I say, absolutely. And, you know, and I never hear from them. So I finally now I say to them, yeah. get their phone number. I will call them because it's too hard to reach out. I remember that. you, I would never have called yeah. someone I didn't know. And and I'm, like mm-hmm. I said, I'm a chatty, open person, and I still would never have done it. So I think mm-hmm. that's something that that new parents need. You, you need to learn to to open up a little bit. If you if you can't, if you haven't, that is very hard to do. It's very easy to just yeah you know lock down and just do what you got to do. But the parent, the other, the parent interaction is something I didn't get a lot of in the beginning, and I really felt like I wanted it. And I really yeah. part of what I hope to come out of this book is to start some kind of parent group. You know, I know there's a lot out there, but um, you know, I, I and I'm definitely not a seasoned parent, but I've, you know, it's been a long time. There's <laughs> been we've been doing this mm-hmm. a long time. And uh, and I I just think that having having a place to talk about it is really important. And I hope that that's my one wish for every parent is to no matter who it is, if it's your pastor, if it's your therapist, if it's your best friend, if it's your, you know, your your pediatrician, whoever it is, Find someone to talk about it. Your feelings about it, because you're the most important part in this process. If you aren't okay, you can't make your kid okay. You know, you have to find mm-hmm. a way to handle it, and that I think that's really important.
1: Yeah. Um, well, we're we're actually out of time, and, and I know there's there, there's a million other things we could talk about, and, and, there, and there's so much to your story that. I think would be really interesting for our listeners. Um, obviously, they could read about it in the book. So how can <laughs> everyone find the book? You know, I, I think, as you said, uh, at the very least, this is a conversation starter, if not a lot more for families who just, you know, can hear other people's experience and perspective, particularly younger, newer families to to the world right. of autism. Um, how can they get it?
2: The book is "Make a Wish for Me," and it is on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, I know that there's uh, lots of bookstores have it. I don't, I couldn't list them off for you, sorry. But uh, I mean, the big, the big places, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, it's there, Uh, and it's easy to get available now <laughs> it came out we were officially published last month so it's ready to go um and right. i have a, a blog i have a blog that's how my um it's really my website but slash blog and i really encourage mm-hmm. people to go there and, and you know contact me i'm i am the most open book literally i mean there it is out in the public <laughs> um to yeah. talk. i really want pe- i would i would love to be able to talk to other parents and i feel like that's part of why I did this was to help and if I can help counsel anyone that's really it's that's a joy for me so my blog it's a long title but it's um okay so then i said dot com and it's okay a y so then i said dot com that people can reach out to me there you know if they go on to amazon and go on my author page I think my website's on there so I just that's really what I'd love people to read to to you know read it and talk to me about it or just talk to me about their their issues that's part of what, you know, I did this for.
1: Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. It's been great talking to you. It's been great kind of, you know, getting to hear your story and, and, you know, as you said, it's, it's really your whole family story. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I, I I thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I really appreciate it. This is, you know my first show back after having my little girl um she is uh 8 weeks old today and uh really excited to to have her with us um you know I, as i kind of said uh talking to Leandra, i you know i'm starting to see the this other side of things you know watching my wife react to things watching me react to things um it's definitely given me a a, a broader perspective on everything that we're talking about um and hearing these these personal accounts and and hearing, you know, Leandra's story and and her husband and and how things developed for their their son Ryan, you know, it 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 just resonates with me in in a in, in a much deeper way um because I can definitely, you know, see myself in in more and more of these stories. Uh particularly when we were talking about, you know, her husband Dan and and how he responded to some things. Um so it's it's been it's been really great and I'm glad to be back with you guys uh you know sharing these experiences and sharing these stories um because they really help educate all of us and make all of us more aware as to what's going on out there. Uh as always if you have questions please email us more info at autismtherapies.com. Uh you can go to the autism spectrum therapies Facebook page, uh post comments, ideas, thoughts. Love getting them from you guys and try and tailor the show as much as possible to what you guys are thinking um, when we hear from you. So with that, hope you guys have a fabulous week, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care.
0: We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of All Autism Talk. For additional information and resources about autism, visit www.learnitsystems.org backslash family. Know an inspiring group or individual we should talk to? We would love to hear more from you at more info at autismtherapies.com. Want to hear more? Listen to previous episodes at www.allautismtalk.com. All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time.